You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Keep your Bibles open, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1. We're exploring the book of Colossians together, and I want you to have your Bibles open there. Today, some of you in our church family have expressed a desire to share and give with others in this time of need. And if today, if you'd like to do so, if you'd like to help others with rent or some other utilities or bills, you can give with your gift online or in person or through the mail. Mark it, people in need. You mark your gift, people in need, and then our church leadership will direct those gifts to the people who are in the greatest need in the weeks to come through Uh, through some structure. So thank you for your incredible generosity for doing that. Today I want to speak to you on this subject, on this topic of how do I keep from getting down? But before I do that, I need to introduce you to someone. So pause and think with me for a second. Before we circle back to that, I need to introduce you to someone because he's got the ability to raise you up. Imagine if for a moment you're a fireman. And for the moment, sounds like fun, right? You've got all the fire trucks washed. There's nobody in need. No paramedics are in need. No fires in your city. And it's just you, the day shift. All of you have come together for a time of meal. Somebody has cooked it. And somewhere, even though you've known most of these guys for years now, somewhere the conversation swings to the topic of your Christianity, your religion. Now, Most of the time, nobody speaks about religion, but this time they want to know why you and your wife are so devoted to this. You say something to the effect that, well, you believe that Jesus Christ is perfect and that he died for your sins. And that's when the engineer of the unit, of the day shift, of the truck, he offers his opinion. He's a Muslim. He says, I think Jesus is a prophet like Abraham, Moses, and Isaiah. He is not God. And, but he does deserve our respect. I think he continues by saying Muhammad is God's greatest prophet. And I don't think that Jesus died for our sins. I think that God saved him from this terrible tragedy. Well, no sooner has the engineer, the Muslim finished, than the newbie of the group feels the freedom to speak up. You find out that he's a Latter-day Saint or a Mormon. He says Jesus was the firstborn child of Elohim. Jesus is our elder brother. And if we're really good and we follow the church's teachings, then we become the son of God or a son of God, just like Jesus was the son of God. Well, that's altogether new to you. You hadn't heard that one. Just before you think the conversation is going to end, that's when the Jehovah's Witness pipes up. And that's when he says, I believe that Jesus Christ, before anything was created, was Michael the archangel. And when things came into existence, Jesus shifted from Michael the archangel to the Jesus we now know. Jesus is God with a small g, if you will. He continues. He, yes, he's God, but he's not as powerful as God the Father. Well, just before you think everybody's done with this, that's when the agnostic of the group, the guy that's expressed his hatred for all things religion, throws his hands up in the air and says, if you guys can't agree on who one guy in history is, why should I bother with this? Many of you know the name of Larry King, a staple in CNN for years of Larry King Live. About five years ago, he was interviewed by a New York City radio station. He was asked this question, 
If you were able to ask God one question, what would it be? And that's when Larry King, Jew by religion, said, I would ask God if he had a son. It's a great question, isn't it? Just who is Jesus that Christians call the Christ, the Messiah? Jesus himself anticipated the question. One day he asked his disciples in the most pagan location he could find of his day, in the place of Caesarea Philippi, who do you say that I am? Today I want you to see that Jesus is someone you could trust. If I had the privilege of working that day shift with those firemen, I would want to begin just where Paul would in Colossians chapter 1. Look with me at verse 15. You'll notice here that the Bible says first that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, the Bible says that God is spirit. That is, he doesn't have a physical body. And so he's naked to our physical eyes. Yet the invisible God becomes visible in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says he is the exact image of this invisible God. We might say it this way. Jesus is no opening act to the guy coming next. Jesus perfectly reveals the character and the very nature of God the Father. Most of all, I like how Jesus says it. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now keep your eyes, again, glued with me to verse 15. Let's flip back to Colossians for a moment. Some of you may think, that because Jesus Christ was born at Christmas, he began to exist at Christmas. Notice verse 15, what it says. He is the firstborn. See that word? Firstborn of all creation. Now, the term firstborn has caused a ton of confusion down throughout the centuries. Our Jehovah's Witness friends believe that Jesus is the eldest created being of the family. We might say it this way. There was a time when Jesus did not exist. In fact, a guy named Arius in the 300s said just that. In fact, though, the word firstborn can either mean eldest child or someone of preeminent rank. Look at that word firstborn. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, notice the very next little three-letter little word, for. For by him all things were created. Since Jesus is firstborn, does that mean he's just the oldest of the earth's family of humans? Not at all. Jesus was never created because all things were created by him. At his birth, he's older than his mother. Jesus said on one occasion, amen, amen, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham existed 1,500 years before Jesus. Keep reading back in Colossians now, verse 17. The Bible says he is before all things. Take note of that. Be before all things. The word firstborn now means status or place. It could refer to someone who came in first place. Jesus is firstborn over all things like Donald Trump is firstborn over all of the military. He is the commander-in-chief. One extra piece of confirmation comes in Psalm 89, verse 7. We're looking at someone we can trust. And here is our word firstborn, speaking of David, the king. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. 
Now David, of who this is speaking of, is not the first king of Israel. He's not even the oldest son of his father, Jesse. This means he is the preeminent king, which would promise to his son years later the person of Jesus. That's the very same word provided for you in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that word firstborn, the Greek translation they chose for that. In fact, move your eyes from verse 15 down to verse 18 in Colossians, will you? Here again is our word firstborn, the firstborn from the dead. It speaks of Easter and the resurrection. Now, Jesus isn't the first person to be raised from the dead. He's the most important person to be raised from the dead, but he's not the first. He himself raised people from the dead. But look at this, because of him, all other followers will be raised one day. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I trust and I hope that you put your trust in Jesus today. For without him, there is no resurrection for anyone. Jesus is not the first person to be raised, but he is the most important person to be raised. Colossians chapter 1. Let's continue our study now. Move your eyes from the word firstborn in verse 18 down to back to verse 16, where the Bible says, For by him all things were created. Don't you feel like me from time to time that most things that you have in your house are made in China? But there's a day, according to Colossians 1, when you won't flip over an object that says made in China. Instead, it's going to say made by Jesus. Made by Jesus. Think of the implications of this now. There are 7.5 billion people, how they know this, 7.5 billion people in the world today. But did you know that if you begin to think about all the people who existed down throughout time, experts say there are 15 dead people for every one living person. In fact, by the year 2050, it's estimated there'll be 113 billion people who have walk the face of the earth down throughout history. And of those 113 billion people, there's one who stands head and shoulders above anyone and everyone else. There's one lasting person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Friend, you would not be here if Jesus had not purposely, intentionally brought you into existence. In fact, the Bible says in verse 16, that he has the ability to create and bring into being things that no physical eye can see. Before we finish with our study here in Colossians, I want you to notice in verse 17, the Bible says, in Jesus, in him, all things hold together. Can you imagine the first time the people of Coloss would have read that letter some 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus? 30 years after his execution, could you imagine the average Roman citizen saying, you mean to tell me that a guy that Rome executed, you mean to tell me that guy holds all the universe together? Friend, think of it for a minute. As far as we know, Jesus wrote no book, but more books have been written about him than any other human down throughout history. He never painted a picture as far as we know. He never wrote a poem or wrote a song. But think of the songs, the poems, the music, the art, the literature, the sculptures. Think of the pictures, the films, and the videos, all dedicated to the one person, Jesus. 
The Bible's teaching you in verse 17 that without Jesus, the electrons would fail to circle the nuclei. That without Jesus, gravity would cease to work. And without Jesus Christ, the planets themselves would not stay in their orbits. Yes, our world is an imperfect world by any measure. But everything that happens in our world is because He permits it. If He had a desire that all things would suddenly disappear, if Jesus were fed up with you, if He surveyed your home for a moment and said, I've had it, enough of that, everything would vanish at His command. Instead, He chooses to use His power in verse 17 to hold all things together. And then lastly, I want you to see, the reason you can trust Him is in verse 16. The Bible says this, all things were created, notice the next little two words at the end, for Him. For Him. Today if you were to travel to the Taj Mahal in India, you would notice there's 42 acres devoted, 42 acres devoted to the former emperor's wife. Built in the 1600s, the wife died as a result of having her 14th child. And there the emperor had dedicated this magnificent structure all for her memory. Much like the Taj Mahal is dedicated in honor of a woman, the Bible's saying all of the universe, every place that we've sent a satellite, every place that your eyes have seen is dedicated for the one purpose of Jesus Christ. Friend, life's not about you and life's not about me. The Bible says, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Years ago when I was a kid, if you wanted, a, if you wanted music, you wouldn't download it. You would ask your parents to take you to a record store. And if you couldn't afford the album, you would get the 45. And the 45 generally had the popular song on the A side, but if you flipped it over, you would see the B side song. Nobody ever paid attention to the B-side music. It was, nobody knew about it. But look at this. Jesus is not the B-side. He is the A-side. In fact, what Colossians is trying to teach you about the great abilities of Jesus Christ, if you were to hand out medals, if you were to hand out medals for being God, to God the Father, you might think, I'm going to give the gold. To Jesus, I'll give the silver. And to the Spirit, I'll give the bronze. No. Your Bible says all of them deserve gold. They're all God. Jesus is preeminent. He is someone you can trust. In verse 18, in everything He might be preeminent. He is your boss, my boss, and the church's boss. He outranks, He outreaches, and He outloves everyone else. His is the name above all other names. He is someone you can trust. Secondly, you're someone He could restore. This message is really dedicated to what happens when you get down. Maybe that's you now. You're isolated. Most of you are saying that every day feels like Groundhog Day. <laughs> it just doesn't have any diversity to it. Maybe you're down. You feel like a dead battery that needs to be restart. There's unfilled expectations to life, and people have disappointed you. Life has thrown so much at you, you feel like a lawnmower choking in the tall weeds. What happens when you need to get up when you're down? Well, you need to quit looking inside. You need to quit looking for the resources to pick yourself up. 
Most self-help books, most of the world says, if you're down, pick yourself up. But the Bible says you don't have that kind of power. You need to be introduced to an outside resource to do it. In fact, verse 21 says, what's wrong with us? There's a fundamental question, what's wrong with us? And you, speaking of you, you were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. The Bible doesn't paint a pretty picture of you and me. Think of it this way. Think of what's wrong with you as a vandal. Perhaps the most famous painting in the world right now is the Mona Lisa. And if you were to go to Paris to the Louvre Museum, there among 8 million visitors a year, you would go to admire Leonardo's masterpiece. Now, anyone who stood in front of the Mona Lisa has been surprised at the amount of security surrounding the painting, the distance that they keep you back from the painting. All this despite the painting's enormous protective casing. But when you consider the Mona Lisa has been stolen, it's been damaged in an acid attack, it's had a rock thrown at it, and a cup of tea has been poured over its case. Perhaps what's most surprising is that they're displaying the Mona Lisa at all. Why is that? Because some of the world's most precious treasures are protected by some of the greatest layers of security in museums. Several years ago in the London Natural History Museum, organized criminals was learned with stealing the horns of rhinos. So the security pulled out the original, the real rhino horns and put in fake. People were stealing them, grinding them up and selling the grinded up rhino powder to people in Asia because it went for higher prices than gold. Have you ever thought of yourself as a vandal? That God's creation has no security, His laws. He has let us loose and we've done worse to His laws and His creation, His world than anyone's done to the Mona Lisa. Your problems are deeper than the loss of a job. Your problems are deeper than your lack of finances and the lack of good health. The truth is you and I are selfish, we're cruel, and oftentimes we're unjust. And we're out of options and solutions. We look everywhere. There's only one solution to our problem. Look again in verse 22. The Bible says he is now reconciled in his body of flesh. What is that? It's the cross. He was crucified for us in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. Jesus died so you would be blameless. Jesus died so that you'd be holy. Jesus died so that you'd be restored. He died so that you could be above reproach. You're someone He can restore. Think of it, the one who created all limbs, all trees, and every seed, He died on a tree. The one who made the oceans and the rivers and the seas on one day said, I thirst. He, Jesus, the one who flung the sun and the solar system into place, was scorched by the noonday sun. Why? So that you could be holy, so that you could be restored, so that you could be blameless and above reproach. Friend, here's the key, and I conclude with this. Jesus' death and his deity are tied together. The reason his death is different, other people have died, but friend, his deity makes his death meaningful. His deity makes his death 
knowable. When you tie his perfect deity along with his death, you now have one who can restore you. So today, are you reconciled to God the Father through his son Jesus Christ? He has the ability to level you up and bring you up out of your sins. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.